0: this is it was a thing on tv spoiler
1: number one is dr lee france it stinks
2: what is going on what is going on episode
1: 137 submission 588 the alliance of american football The Alliance of American Football lasted one season from February 9th, 2019 to March 31st, 2019. And their games aired on CBS, CBS Sports Network, TNT, and the NFL Network. There were also games that aired on BR Live, but really, screw BR Live. Well, guys, we don't have the XFL this year, unfortunately. Stupid, no. stupid pandemic. But Dwayne, listen, I have your Funko Pop from Jermungi right here. I just got this. All right. I'm looking forward to the to the XFL coming back in 2022. And for God's sakes, please just just get one. Season. As, as, one full as, season. As, just one full season. I need to root for a football team in New York again. All right. I hope you guys are bringing back all the teams again because I want to root for the Guardians. Okay. So just, just please, please, Dwayne. All right. I, that's all I ask for is one full season. Please. That's all I ask. Okay. Before the most recent run of the XFL, we had the Alliance of American Football. Yep.
2: And it was to be the next great spring league of professional football. And it had one thing that other spring leagues didn't really have. Not so much the backing, but sort of the uh, I don't know if it's, it's somewhere between the outright backing and the mutually assured destruction. It's sort of in the middle where it says, you don't bother us, we won't bother you. Of the National Football League. If that makes any sense. I guess so. I mean, NFL Network did air Alliance games. Yeah, they did. And uh, CBS did produce said Alliance games. And it was all just a product. It looked like football. It felt like football. And it did not get in the way of anything from, you know, the big boy on the on the sandlot. So how did this come to life? Well, it was the brainchild of two of one football great and the son of a broadcasting great, uh, Bill Pullian. It would be the football great.
1: Yes, former general manager of the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts.
2: Yes. And then you also have Charlie Ebersol, who was the son of uh, the president of NBC Sports and executive producer of three or four seasons of Saturday Night Live. Four. Four. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Four seasons of Saturday Night Live, Dick Ebersol. Broadcasting legend.
1: Oh, and by the way, folks, we'll be talking about Charlie Ebersole's mother soon, Susan St. Chiefs, because she's in two entries coming up in the spring. WrestleMania 2 and SOS Titanic! True fact. She's the love interest of David Warner and SOS Titanic!
0: And Greg can't wait to talk about SOS Titanic. Oh,
1: yeah. He I can't really wait can't. to talk about her terrible job at commentary at WrestleMania 2 also.
2: Oh, boy. No, you meant to say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. George! She was really hurting for work after Kate and Awey. Anyway. So, Bill Pullian, Charlie Ebersole got together and formed... The Alliance of American Football, which I don't know what the hook was, uh, about it was. I know he was, I, I, I could tell you he was sort of pushed into it because around this time, he was producing a very, very well put together uh, 30 for 30 for ESPN. This was the XFL. That, by the way, is available on ESPN+. Plus. I suggest you watch it.
1: Yes, about his father and Vince's attempts with the original version of the XFL back in 2001.
2: Yes. So, doing the research, putting the build together, he decided, he thought, okay, the XFL had a good idea behind it, but the execution was bad. It looked bad on TV, it looked bad on the field. It was just really, it was a bad football, and it was also a bad show. So he decided to take what worked about the XFL and sort of form a new league around that.
1: Yeah, well, originally, and now according to Dave Melter of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, I think on Wrestling Observer Radio, he actually talked about how Troy Ebersole when the AAF was launching said that Troy Eversole wanted to buy the XFL name and rights for Vince for 50 million so Vince just relaunched the XFL out of spite even though he had no idea what to do
2: we'll talk more about that in due course because oh yeah uh, cuz the XFL actually did look pretty good i mean compared to the old XFL uh Pete Moss growing looks good.
1: Yeah, well, when XFL 3.0 launches, we'll probably do an episode called the five weeks of the XFL 2020 season. Yeah. Maybe.
2: Maybe possibly. Anywho. Charlie Ebersole didn't give up. He wanted to talk about perhaps merging the new XFL into the Alliance. Uh say say the lot what did you say, Greg?
1: Out of spite.
2: Thank you. So, uh, Charlie Ebersole, he put together the league. And uh, I I don't know if he brought on board Bill Pullion or Bill, or they just, you know, he just was the first person who called it back. But somehow Bill Pullian was brought on board. Then they began the formation of the league with five Delaware LLCs. Legendary Field Exhibitions, AAF Players, AAF Properties, LFE2, and We Are Real Time LLC. That last one will come into play a little bit later. But all of these companies would be controlled by Charlie Eversol through his Ebersol Sports Media Group with minority investors in any one of the uh, five companies now the league itself having launched in 2018 as an entity would be overseen by and i've got the list right here thanks to truth by consensus wikipedia among other people former nfl general manager bill
1: Polian,
2: former pittsburgh steelers safety troy polamalu executive jk mckay steelers receiver heinz ward Former Giants and Raiders defensive end Justin Tuck, retired referee and current Fox NFL rules analyst Mike Pereira, and Ebersol's father, Dick Ebersol.
1: They had some big names. You got your Mike Pereira, you have Heinz Ward, you have Troy Palomalu.
2: Dick Ebersol.
1: Yeah. Even though Dick Ebersol kind of wasted all that money on the Olympics rights.
2: It's like, hey, 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 it's not his fault they're terrible. Well, actually, it would be his fault that they're terrible. Yeah,
1: just show the damn offense live, Dick. This isn't 1972.
2: Hey, remember when you showed basketball live in 1996? Remember how awesome that was? Uh, Okay, I'm the only one who remembers basketball in 1996. Okay.
1: No, I didn't know if you were talking about Olympic basketball. I NBA. was
2: talking about Olympic. Okay, basketball. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, they, they delayed the NBA on NBC?" No, oh, they showed the Olympics live. Oh, and they yeah. could do that because they were playing the Omni at the time. This was before they, you know, blew what, it up for the Georgia Dome or something. For Philips Arena. Arena, thank you. So the first team was announced: Orlando, the Orlando franchise. With, of all people to coach it.
1: Oh, yes.
2: Steve Spurrier.
1: The old bowl coach, Steve Spurrier. Mm -hmm. And what can you say about Steve Spurrier but one of the all-time legendary coaches in college football? Yep. And also former USFL head coach.
2: So he knows about being second banana. Yeah. You know, we could, we could make a break to talk about Mr. Black, but we won't. Yeah. And who? that's another 30 for 30, which is another good watch. I, li- I liked that watch. I don't care what the former...
1: Occupant of the White House.
2: Anyway. Okay, so we have our coach, and by June we would have eight teams in eight cities. Those teams were from the east, we have the Memphis Express, the Atlanta Legend, the Orlando Apollos, and the Birmingham Iron. And from the west, we have the San Antonio Commanders, the Arizona Hotshots, the Salt Lake Stallions, and the San Diego Fleet. Now, it's interesting choice of cities. For one, uh, they are purposefully trying to get away from cold weather football. Because your northernmost city is Salt Lake City. In Utah, which is known famously for its snow. And also, I also know that uh, you have a bunch of cities that are not known as football hotbeds unless you count um, the collegiate game.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's on purpose. They chose like cities that are high on collegiate football, but don't necessarily have support for an NFL franchise. Birmingham,
2: Birmingham, Birmingham stands out.
1: Birmingham stands out. Memphis,
2: mm-hmm.
1: San Antonio.
2: Is San Diego a hotbed for a collegiate ball?
1: Well, they got San Diego State.
2: No, that's true. They had the Utes in uh, Salt Lake City. They—they uh, they, th- actually, I believe, this would be, well, the first time in a long time that uh, football came to Utah.
1: Yeah, because I'm trying to think. USFL didn't have a Salt Lake City
2: team. No, I don't think they did. Uh, and I don't think, well, that's you,
0: the, well, hold on. Well, you're talking about pro football. I was going to say they have BYU football.
2: They do have yep. BYU football. They do
1: have Brigham Young? Yeah.
2: Which is a really good program. BYU. Hey, Go Cougars.
1: Hey, it produced Jim McMahon and Steve yep. Young.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And the Detmer brothers.
2: And the Detmer brothers.
1: Did you say that because Ty Detmer played for your team?
0: Well, well, the Ty. I didn't say it because he played for my team, I primarily said it because both brothers, uh, Ty and Coy, both were NFL quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Yep. And of course, San Diego, of course, had just lost the Chargers to LA. So San Diego's like, yeah, we need like a football team to stick it to the Chargers.
2: The entire Eastern division is all within the SEC footprint. And Atlanta and Orlando are also in the ACC footprint. So there's something. And Texas is, I think San Antonio is uh, within the Big 12 or, and the SEC. Okay.
1: Yeah, because Texas A&M is SEC.
2: Yeah. And Texas would be uh, Big, Big 12. 12. Yeah. So, a lot of collegiate footprint there, and they're all, you know, supposedly, the idea was they're all clamoring for spring ball. Supposedly. So, now that you have the teams, here are some of the rules. And we're just going to go over some of the big ones, because at the end of the day, it's football, with a few key differences in how everything was uh, sort of managed. For one... Each team had 52 players with some selected by a territorial draft, which fielded college and CFL players, and four NFL players, and four NFL teams, sorry, with players from colleges outside the AAF football being allocated based on their most recent professional team, and only one quarterback could be taken from that region. And from there, you also had a protect or pick draft where you could keep your quarterback or uh, select an unprotected quarterback from another team. Think of it as the uh, quarterback version of Let's Make a Deal.
1: And they did air the quarterback draft live on CBS Sports Network. Now we're going to talk about a story from that quarterback draft. Right now, talk about watch- it.
2: Right now, talk about yeah. it. Right now,
1: we're gonna talk about okay. So, we watched a video on YouTube from the YouTuber Flemlow Rabs made back in May 11th, 2019, on five ridiculous stories from the last days of the AAF. And one of the stories involved former Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Josh Johnson, whose famous cousin is. Marshawn Lynch. And Mike, do you want to describe this
0: story? This is weird. Uh, but also at the same time, this may be like peak Marshawn Lynch. So uh, Marshawn just happened to be at the draft with uh, his cousin, Josh Johnson, as Greg said. And Marshawn, in case you don't know, he's not too uh, keen with the media. Uh, remember years and years ago with Super Bowl week, he said something to the extent of "I'm only here so I don't get fined."
1: Yeah, and then there was also the other Super Bowl media day, which I was at by the way, where he just only did an interview with Dion Sanders.
0: <laughs> so, so you see who we're dealing uh, with here—somebody who's not terribly media friendly. Well. No. Well, Charlie Ebersole wanted to get an interview with him, and and uh, what the cost ended up being was $5,000. What? Uh, for, 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 for a two-minute interview, two, two minutes, and he didn't even talk for two minutes. He talked for 40 seconds or thereabouts, but uh, the price he wanted was $5,000. So Charlie Ebersole, uh immediately cut the check for $5,000, and uh, apparently uh, Marshawn Lynch thought that the, the check was – maybe from the the bank of uh, Herb Abrams, he said, no, I I want the money. I want the actual tangible cash in the form of 20,000 quarters. And they came through 20,000 quarters, $5,000 of quarters to get Marshawn Lynch to, uh, to do this quickie little interview. But that's
1: not even the best part, Mike.
0: Do we want that wasn't com- the best
1: part? <laughs> Do we want to talk about who conducted the interview with more Sean
0: Lynch? A name that is very familiar to us and a couple of our listeners. The one and only Jason Zone Fisher.
2: Yes. That Jason Zone Fisher.
1: Oh, yeah. Memories of playing halftime live in 2018.
2: And, and, um...
1: And Arena! Arena, Arena. I thank, forgot! Thank you. He also was on Arena!
2: This was back when app shows were a thing.
1: Yeah. And, and paid really well. And paid oh. really well. Yep. This was before the days when the best you can get on Swagbucks was two and a half cents. Yeah. You
0: know what we're talking about, Rick in Baltimore? Oh, we remember him back in the day. Oh, yes.
1: Yep.
2: So there's that.
1: I guess we can go on to the, like the other coaches, right?
2: Yeah, the other coaches. I've got them right here.
1: Yeah, cuz we talked about Steve Spurrier, but we also got Okay, coaching the Arizona okay. Hotshots. All right. Rick Neuheisel.
0: Are we talking about the same Rick Neuheisel who was a coach at Washington and uh, UCLA? Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's made the rounds. Yeah. Yep. And also, actually, I forgot – and actually, I'm looking right now. I totally forgot he really got his big break uh, as head coach at Colorado back uh, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that, that oh, was, yeah. Th- those are some good Colorado teams. Yeah. So, really he, he's, he's a definite known entity in the coaching world. Well, this guy's
1: also a known entity, too, from the Salt Lake Stallions. Dennis Erickson, former national champion head coach at the University of Miami.
0: Yes, he was.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And coached the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. I believe he was uh, right before... Um, uh, the, the, Holmgren. Oh, that, that wasn't the name I was thinking of, but yeah. But yeah, he, he would have uh, been with the Seahawks right before Mike Holmgren back in the, the 90s.
1: And then for the San Diego Fleet, you got Mike Mortz, former Rams head coach, greatest yeah. show on
0: turf. Yeah, he, he's uh-huh. got a Super Bowl, yeah.
1: And then uh, Memphis Express. Oh, we just talked about him two weeks ago. Mike Singletary.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boy. Yeah, and he had success as a coach with the 49ers.
1: Yep, briefly until uh, he got replaced by Jim Hawbaugh That's about it. Um, I don't think Kevin Coyle, Tim Lewis, and Mike Riley were like,
2: well, Mike Riley spent his time bouncing from Spring League to Spring League.
1: Yeah, because as according to True it says his Wikipedia, last year he was the offensive coordinator slash QB coach of the Seattle Dragons.
0: Well, also, Mike Riley actually was an uh, NFL coach at one point. Yeah, Mike Riley was coach of the San Diego Chargers from 1999 to 2001. So, yeah, he would have been the head coach Drew Brees' rookie year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2001 would have been Drew Brees' rookie year, so he, yeah, he would have been coached. Uh, and also, speaking of spring leagues, he coached the San Antonio Riders of the World League of American Football back in 1991 and 1992.
1: By the way, guys, we do have that on the schedule for next year.
2: Damn right we do. Who else was there? Tim Lewis of the Birmingham Iron. He's remembered more of a, as a player. Yeah. yeah he He's was- been Drafted in '83, eleventh uh,
0: overall pick.
2: Yep, but is uh, but he was out at, after four seasons with a neck injury.
1: Yeah, but he has wow. he's he's bounced around as a coordinator over the years. Mm-hmm. He was on the uh, defensive coordinator for the Giants, defense secondary coach for the Panthers, defensive back coach for the Seahawks. Secondary coach for the Falcons. Oh, and last year, speaking of the XFL, he was the defensive backs coach for the St. Louis Battlehawks.
2: So these are known entities by and large. Yeah. But let's, let's be honest. Nobody is as known as Steve Spurrier.
1: Yeah. He's the old ball coach.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. He's the big draw.
1: Oh yeah. He's, he's at least the- among coaches.
2: Yeah.
0: He's a legend. He really is. He he won a Heisman Trophy for heaven's sake.
1: Yeah, he won a Heisman Trophy and he won a national championship as a coach. The guy's a legend.
2: Okay, so we talked about. Oh wait, there's there's more to talk about as far as the game is considered.
1: Ooh, we gonna talk about? Are we gonna talk about Triple
2: H? Wrong game. Oh, sorry. So, we have the uh, 52-man teams. You also have a 150-minute hard-stopped show. Hard-stopped game. Because we have uh, 60% fewer full-screen commercials. Wanted want a real-time length of 150 minutes. And the AAF aims to charge more money with product placement.
1: Oh, yeah, there's product placement all over the place. Yep. Okay, you talked about how there was a set time, Chico. Yes. Well, guys, it's time for another segment. It's called Greg's Dad Has Stupid Ideas on How to Improve Sports.
2: Greg's Dad Has Stupid Ideas on How to Improve Sports.
1: Okay, do you want to hear this idea he has? Go for it. Okay, he wants the game clock to continuously run. So if it's 15 minutes for a quarter, is exactly that, 15 minutes.
2: So he basically wants it to be a basketball game.
1: He wants it to be a basketball game. But no, when there's a stop and play, keep the clock going. He wants it to be like soccer, basically.
2: Oh, but soccer also has stoppage time so
1: but he I, I asked him this he says no no stoppage time it's stupid just have the <laughs> clock continuously go.
2: I love the way you put it it's stupid
1: what do you think Mike
2: <laughs> He can't stop laughing at
1: that
0: uh, I, 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 yeah I, 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 oh my gosh this should be like a running segment in, in our shows. What, what Greg would do to improve sports? Uh, oh my, no, what my
2: dad. Yep. You know what? Keep, keep or what? Keep what my your da- over. yeah, yeah.
0: Your dad. I knew it was your dad. I don't know why. I yeah, said
2: keep you. yeah. Keep my voiceover. That way you could just hit the button and
0: <laughs> yeah. And also,
1: I'm, I'm sure since it's the AF, he, dad would. My dad would probably want the less celebrities doing the halftime.
2: And Lady Gaga.
1: Oh, he save Lady Gaga for the championship game.
0: But why would he do that?
1: Because? Because because if you give him Lady Gaga, they'll be Gaga forever.
0: There you go. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Just ask the people at the inauguration. She, She owns that inauguration. Oh
0: my gosh.
2: Anywho. So we talked about the money. We talked about the show. Now there's the game where, all right, Check this out. There was no kickoff. No, there was no no kickoff. kickoff. Every drive started at the 25-yard line unless you scored off of a safety, in which which case it started from the 35-yard line. That is awesome. I like that. If you get a safety, you're rewarded with 10
1: extra yards.
2: And there were no extra points. All of your extra points were to be scored by a, a two-point conversion after a touchdown.
1: I like that. It actually makes for a different dynamic of the game. There's no, you don't go for one point, you go for two.
2: And then you have, let's see, we have the, we went over the extra point. We went over, or I guess it would be the action point.
1: As they used in the WFL. So that was only one point, though. Yeah. The action point in the WFL.
2: And the, sa- and the safety uh, start. We haven't talked about the onside kick. Oh, yeah. So they they didn't do an onside kick, did they? No, they they didn't. Uh, They could keep possession of the ball by attempting an onside conversion from the 28-yard line and getting to the 40. Basically, they're doing a fourth and 12. And if they miss it, it goes to the other team. And the team was not allowed to attempt a play after a field goal or touchdown unless it was trailing by 17 or more. Or during the final two minutes of the first half and the final five minutes of the second half. And then you have a play clock that runs only 35 seconds instead of 40 seconds.
1: Okay, I like that. Keep moving the game faster.
2: Mm -hmm. Mhm. Players could not throw the football into the stands or hand it off to a spectator following a touchdown. So they basically couldn't do the Panthers thing. And also, they probably wanted to save money on the balls. Probably.
0: Yeah. I'm, oh, the balls had to be expensive.
2: Well, they were manufactured by the fine folks at Wilson Sporting Goods, so they were paying a lot of money.
0: Oh,
1: those aren't cheap. Not only
2: are they not normal, footballs, they also have tracking technology, sort of like the laser puck back in the 90s.
1: Oh, the going puck on Fox?
2: Mm-hmm by the way, uh, the penalty for that would be an unsportsmanlike for 15 yards. And if it is deliberate, you could assess a fine to the player. Oh. But aside from that, you know, yuck it up. Showtime quarter, do the showtime quarter, do the cell phone, do the bobsled, do the leapfrog, do the baby. Uh, We couldn't do the uh, dreidel for Hanukkah because it's it's spring yeah but you get what i'm trying to say you could do anything besides that and interesting trent richardson was penalized for during the first week when a ball he spiked went into the stands oh they didn't assess the fine because it was an accident oh
0: he could have afforded it he was a former cleveland browns running back the third pick in the 2012 draft. He made millions. He could pay the frigging fine. Yep.
2: And in the event of a tie, there would be a single overtime period under the high school football rules or the Kansas playoff rules where each team would begin on their opponent's 10 yard line and be given one one possession to score no field goals allowed and had a score remain tied after each team was given their possession, the game would end in a tie. I
1: don't know. No like idea that. what
2: would have, you know, it, it was horrible. We don't, it's, it's football. You don't do ties.
0: No. Yeah. There's no ties in football. Well, high NFL. There's no ties in baseball, and there's no ties in match game. No. Uh huh. Exactly.
2: Defenses were forbidden from rushing more than five players on or across the line of scrimmage, and no defensive player could cross the line of scrimmage for more than two yards outside offensive tackles. That was a fifteen that was fifteen yards for illegal defense there. But other than that, it was football. Yeah. What it was was football.
1: Now There are two things I remember from the first week of the AAF. Now, remember, the first two games of the AAF were broadcast on the CBS Network. Not CBS Sports Network. The actual CBS Network. The mothership. The the mothership on a Saturday night. So the first week, two games on Saturday night, I remember, were San Diego against San Antonio. And the other one was Orlando against Atlanta. Now, in the San Antonio-San Diego game, which was the game we had here in New York for the majority of the game, there was maybe one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen where one of the guys on San Antonio just runs, runs into the quarterback on San Diego and just knocks his helmet right off.
2: I saw that clip. Ow.
1: And then the other play in the Orlando-Atlanta game was Steve Spurrier doing his own version of the Philly special for a touchdown, which was thrown by Former New York Jet Jalen Marshall, who actually, I believe, had the first touchdown in the history of the AAF in that game, too.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I seem to remember you bringing that to my attention, that uh, uh, former Jet uh, Jalen Marshall had the first touchdown in league history.
1: Yeah, well... Good for him. At least, at least the former Mike Mcagnan Jets draft pick actually threw a touchdown pass. Unlike the guy on Memphis.
0: He's referring to Christian Hackenberg, oh.
1: A.K.A. the worst pick that idiot Mike Mcagnan ever made.
0: You're not wrong about that.
2: Nope. And Mike Mcagnan was an idiot.
0: Yep. And made many bad picks. Yes.
2: Mike Mcagnan. He made many bad picks. This was one of them.
1: And he also had Manish Meta sniffing his a- The bookworm? Yes.
2: Okay, so we got into the games. We talked about the show. We talked about all the broadcast partners. We talked about the Philly special. Now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of where everything started to fall flat. As an inaugural season, the Alliance uh, was highly invested in, and some of the investors included Peter Thiel's Founders Fund. Peter Thiel's a jerk, by the way.
1: He is a jerk.
2: The Churnin Group, which owns Barstool Sports, they're also jerks.
1: Even though they employ PFT commenter who rigged the MVP vote for Mitchell Trubisky, which was one of the
2: greatest moments in history. (laughs) Jared Allen, I don't know who he is.
1: I think he's the former Minnesota
2: Viking, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I
0: was going to say, he's the, he played for the Vikings forever, I thought.
2: Yeah, he played for the Vikings forever. He was eligible for the Hall of Fame this year.
0: And he didn't, didn't get in.
2: No. Not on the first ballot. But Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson did, so, you know. Uh, Slow Ventures. No idea who they are. Adrian Fenty, the mayor of D.C. from two 2000- thousand to two thousand eleven.
1: Hey, do hey, you think any time he walked around in D.C., you think anyone ever yelled to him,
0: Yo, Adrian"? Probably. Oh, Jeez, no. I, and, I thought the I thought the Fenty joke was going to be talking about Rihanna.
2: Huh, like, because, because it wasn't because Rihanna's last name is Fenty.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Oh yeah,
2: I, And I you and, and finally, Keith Rabois. Who had executive roles at PayPal, LinkedIn, Slide, and Square, and also invested in Yelp and Zoom before their IPO? He is considered a member of PayPal Mafia with Peter Thiel, Reid Hoffman, Jared Kareem, and Elon Musk. By the way, they're all jerks, especially Elon Musk. Over time, they wanted to sell the AAF franchises to individual owners but of course that never came to pass now you remember earlier on the show I was talking about tech company being formed to uh run alongside the AAF yes this is why they had that in- innovation because uh the tech platform was going to have uh Game information delivered in real time. Why, you may ask? Good question. Two words. Sports betting. MGM made an investment in the tech firm formed with the AAF and entered into a three-year sponsorship agreement to become the official sports betting sponsor and exclusive gaming partner. Now, this marked the first time any sports organization had sold exclusive in game betting rights to a sports book. So, real time stats, real time coverage, and now real time gambling. And under those terms, MGM would own all the rights to the tech platform. In the event, the League ceases operations, preventing an investor from buying the League solely for access to the technology. Smart, smart move. Very smart move. Smarter in retrospect.
0: Yeah, very much so.
2: Now, the League's app never implement never fully implemented the gambling functions. But there was a whole lot of stuff that was uh, in the offering that never materialized either. Not necessarily due to a uh, failure of the league, but due to technical glitches and uh, unfeasibility. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And much like the XFL, the league also had bonuses and scholarships for players based on performance and fan interaction. And each player got three-year non-guaranteed contracts worth a quarter of a million dollars plus health insurance with an escape clause to go to the NFL. This was believed to be purposefully targeting the XFL to prevent second-tier professional players from siding with the XFL if they played in the AAF in 2019. So, this was a... Yeah, screw you, Vince.
1: Yeah, and that worked well.
2: And also, the league was... And How the, how the uh, league assigned players to teams was, by and large, a trade secret. But Landry Jones is a textbook example of how the league was willing to offer more money to marquee players if they were dealt to uh, other teams. Like, Landry Jones was offered a million dollars from Charlie Ebersole to play for the San Antonio Commanders. Well, he was offered, but he ultimately refused the offer.
1: And he eventually went to the XFL.
2: Same thing with Matt McLoyne, because of the skepticism over the league, and he became a father, so.
1: And he also was in the XFL.
2: And also, tickets were low-priced, $35 a sideline seat. Food was inexpensive, and... uh, yeah it, you you had an idea where the money was going but you didn't really have an idea where the money was coming from so as the end result after week three or four it became painfully obvious to even the most casual viewers that the league was hemorrhaging money. we had uh, coaches, We're being uh, promised half a million, up to half a million for the title. And, of course, you have a quarter million for each player. So, uh, how do you solve this? You do what any millionaire would foolishly do. You throw money at the problem. Enter Tom Dundon. Who is Tom Dundon? He is the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh? And he is also the owner of Top Golf. He decided to invest $250 million into the league and, at the same time, made chairman of the AAM. He basically bought his way into the league. He received a majority stake in exchange for his investment and the chairmanship of the AAF. So, yeah, Tom Dundon basically did what Mr. Black did in 1985. He bought himself into the league.
1: Boy, is Mike going to get used to overtime this week of Mr. Black?
0: I don't mind.
2: Now, initially, it was they said it was because the league wasn't making payroll. But here's the thing: the payroll wasn't because of uh, a failure of the league. It was because the league changed payroll companies, and it made a glitch in the system. And Dundon's investment had already been planned. Doesn't actually backtracked on the $250 million lump sum, saying that he was going to use $250 million as a maximum base of the league if the league were to aggressively expand, and he reserved the right to pull out of the league at any time. Ultimately, he ended up investing $70 million into the league, reducing unnecessary expenses, and abandoning the technology platform by the end of the league's operations. To keep the league financially viable. He was basically Okay. Okay. This sort of reads as the worst episode of Pawn Stars Ever. It's like You said this league was worth 250 million. I'll give you 70 million for it. The best I could do is 70 million and I'll have to cut expenses.
1: Ugh.
2: Aside from that, Dunden also wanted to change collective bargaining agreements to protect AAF players who may get injured and miss NFL playing time after the option was exercised that players could sign to the NFL after the league folded. So what else was there as far as money is concerned? Because we had... Dundon shortchanging the league by $180 million. And then we had, oh God, are you ready for this?
1: Oh no, what?
2: One of the major investors was Minnesota Vikings minority owner Reggie Fowler. His pulling of funds led to the uh, bringing on of Tom Dundon. And apparently Fowler's funds have been frozen by the Department of Justice after Fowler's indictment on charges of money laundering for cryptocurrency exchanges.
0: Oh. Oh my gosh. Uh Uh-oh.
2: Yeah.
1: Because nothing says legitimacy like cryptocurrency.
2: Mm, Dogecoin. So there was supposed to be a four-team playoff, which would have been held at Sam Boyd Stadium near Las Vegas. After Dundon took over the league, he moved the games to Ford Center at the Star in Briscoe, Texas. Why? I don't know. Probably because it was cheaper. But then, on April 2nd, 2019, seemingly out of nowhere, upon orders from Tom Dundon, Bill
1: Polian
2: released the following statement. I am extremely disappointed to learn that Tom Dundon has decided to suspend all football operations of the Alliance of American Football. When Mr. Dundon took over, it was the belief of my co-founder Charlie Eppersall and myself that we would finish the season, pay our creditors, and make the necessary adjustments to move forward in a manner that made economic sense for all. The momentum generated by our players, coaches, and football staff had us well positioned for future success. Regrettably, you will not have that opportunity. So he couldn't
1: wait four weeks to finish the season. So he just decided, you know what? F this. I'm done. I don't want to waste any more money into this. Uh, They had
0: wasted so much money to
2: begin with.
1: I understand. But they had four more weeks. You couldn't wait four (laughs) weeks and then be like, okay, I'm done.
2: Oh, it gets worse. They were getting ready for week nine when they found out, and they didn't find out through the league. You know where they found out?
0: Oh, don't say social media. Don't say social media.
2: Social media! No! Yeah. It's like Tom Dunton didn't have the cojones to tell everybody up front. He said, Bill Polian, to do it for him. For one. That's horrible. That is, that is absolutely horrible. So, players were evicted from their hotels. They were required to pay their own way home. They were required to pay their own bills from injuries sustained during play. And league employees were notified... ...from the AAF board that their jobs were terminated as of April 3rd with zero severance. So for about two weeks, everybody was just, that is a cheap move, bro. But not totally unexpected, given who funded the whole damn thing to begin with. Charlie Ebersall came out and said he had been advised not to speak by his attorneys, insisting that the money he raised was there and had been vetted up until immediately before the season, claiming that reports of players being saddled with hotel and medical bills were either fake news or fraudulent charges and could not ensure that all those owed money would be paid. So the website came out with an updated, uh, an updated statement. This week, we made the difficult decision to suspend all football operations for the Alliance of American Football. We understand the difficulty that this decision has caused for many people, and for that we are very sorry. This is not the way we want it to end, but we are also committed to working on solutions for all outstanding issues to the best of our ability. Due to ongoing legal processes, we are unable to comment further or share details about the decision. At this point, I'm just wishing I was Jake Williams of Bright Suns Films so I could do this absolutely perfectly. On April 17th, Ebersol Sports Media Group and the five AAF operating entities filed for Chapter Seven bankruptcy. The league claimed assets of 113 million, liabilities of 48.3 million, and approximately 536 thousand dollars in petty cash. And if Jake Williams is listening, I really apologize.
1: Okay, so. <laughs> Do we want to talk about what happened? Yes, with, we. I think we do. Yeah, yeah. The best part in that video from the five ridiculous stories from the last days of the AF. Yes, where the where everyone was just on a, in the front offices, were just trying to take as much stuff as they could.
2: Imagine that one scene from Fun with Dick and Jane with mm-hmm. Jim Carrey.
1: Yeah, just but with flat screen TVs, Mm -hmm. just taking them out of the office. And, folks, if you've not seen that video from Fremlow Raps, we are going to put it in the description
2: of the episode because it is you you know, what 10 minutes of your life you're not going to regret.
1: Oh, especially the Bill Murray story.
2: Yes, there's a Bill Murray story.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll let him tell the story when you watch the video, but it uh, is classic Bill Murray.
2: So, Chapter 7 basically means liquidation, get as much money as you can out of everything. But then again, y'all knew that. Uh, the uniforms, they were stored in a lot in San Antonio. That's probably... Uh if I'm not mistaken that's where the alliance was headquartered cuz that's where all of the uniforms were uh, stored and auctioned off in July of 2019 and they went for 455,000. Wow. And then Major League Football claimed and it entered into an agreement to purchase the rest of the equipment for 400,000. Yeah. So out of the forty-eight point three million that they still owed, the uh, alliance was still on the hook for uh, if, I, if my math was if my math is correct, the alliance was still on the hook for about 35, 36 million. That's bad. Yeah. Anything else to add to this, or?
0: Well, I was going to add so, some of the key players that actually moved on to bigger and better things in the NFL. Okay. I mean, you, you did have some name players. We talked about Christian Hackenberg uh, for better or for worse. Well, I, I know you don't necessarily uh, like him, Greg, and I don't blame no, you.
1: because he no, sucked.
0: Because he sucked. I don't blame you. But you did have uh, some uh, players who went to the NFL and made some starts. Uh, you have uh, Garrett Gilbert. Uh, who who was the third stringer with the Browns back in in 19, but he actually started, I think, a game or two for the Cowboys this year after Dak Prescott went down. Oh, hold up.
1: Luis Perez. We forgot about Luis Perez. He was the quarterback for the Birmingham Iron who learned to... This was the best story in the history of stories. He learned to throw footballs while watching videos on YouTube on how to throw a football. And he was the Division II Player of the Year one year. And he used his success in the AF, and he actually was in the 2020 XFL with the New York Guardians.
0: And we should also add the name John Wolford, because he actually started a playoff game for the L.A. Rams this year when Jared Goff was injured.
1: Yeah, I guess considering technically. No, no, he'd still be a backup because they got Stafford.
0: Yeah, they got Stafford, but he he at least can say he started a playoff game. Yeah, that's
1: true. Even if he didn't a, win.
0: A, yeah, and uh, we sh- should add Nick Novak, a kicker. He has a lengthy track record in the NFL. But also, maybe one of the big surprises in the NFL this year was the kicker for the Atlanta Falcons, Yungo Koo.
2: Yeah, uh, he was the kicker for the Atlanta Legends.
0: And he actually made the Pro Bowl this year. So you had somebody who went from the AAF to being a Pro Bowl kicker.
1: I mean, not necessarily played in a Pro Bowl since they didn't actually have a Pro Bowl this year, but he was named to a Pro Bowl team. But
0: but yeah, I mean, he was one of the best kickers this year, so he he still made that rise from AAF to a pretty decent job with Atlanta this year.
2: Oh, yeah. I don't think he ever missed a uh, field goal. I may be wrong on that, but there you go.
0: This year, I think you're you're right about that. And we mentioned Trenton Richardson earlier. He was the third overall pick in the 2012 draft he did okay for the Browns his first year then got traded to Indianapolis and what was a huge bust after that, but Hey, at least the Browns got a first round pick out of that. And if I remember correctly that first round pick, who did that become? Oh yeah. And
1: yeah. they gave a quarterback that played in Memphis.
0: Yes. The, 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 this was a, a quarterback who was drafted uh, in the NFL and, um, it has an infamous track record. The one and only Johnny Manziel. Oh boy! Yes, yeah, so, so we have a nice little connection between Tr- Richardson and, and Johnny Manziel through the uh, the, the trade back in two thousand thirteen.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. he sucked about as worst as Christian Hackenberg, if you can believe
2: it. Christian Hackenberg was the better person.
1: Well, no, uh, no, 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 no. Not by Christian, much, but... No, no, because maybe, uh, maybe off the field, but Christian Hackenberg never played a down in the NFL. Johnny Manziel at least did.
0: True. Yeah, uh, you'll give him that. And uh, also, uh, we talked about Nick Novak. Nick Folk was uh, uh, in the uh, AAF as well. Again, another kicker who had a lengthy NFL career.
2: Doug Howard was in the AAF parking
0: in the house. Dear Ernest Johnson was in the AAF current Cleveland Brown running back in the house. That's all I got.
2: Yeah. That's all I got.
0: You you did, you did, you did have some names and you had some players who actually became somewhat decent players. And in the case of, uh, of Jung Ho Koo became a pro bowler for heaven's sakes. Not bad for the little league that really couldn't
2: yeah not bad at all of course this league has to have its uh a tommy maddox story or yeah
0: that's a good way of comparing it because yeah tommy maddox had a a year or two of success and then ben roethlisberger came and
1: yeah but at least he wanted but at least he won a super bowl as a backup yep
0: yeah, yeah he did
1: but at least he also has that XFL MVP award he has somewhere in his closet. Yeah, uh, no,
2: it would it would be in a box in an attic next to a hobby horse. Get it right.
0: Yeah, but you know what? He doesn't have he, he doesn't have a Nickelodeon MVP award.
1: No, not uh, like Mitchell course. Trubisky. No, no. Everyone knows. Everyone knows now. The real award you gotta win is the MVP award. Uh-huh. And you don't
2: it's- win it until PFT commenter says you win it,
1: <laughs> and you have the vote rigged for you to win that vote, where thirty five percent of the people are trolling <laughs> just so you can win the MVP award because that's the only award that you sh- that, that's worth fighting for is the MVP award. What other trophy will give you a blimp? On an award, the Kids uh, Choice Awards. No, but yeah. the Kids Choice Awards is just a blimp. It doesn't have a trophy on top of it.
0: Oh well, that's true.
1: And that with gack on it too.
0: And let's not get to the, uh, Jimmy Graham purposely running out of the stadium because he didn't want to get gacked.
1: He didn't want to get virtually gacked. It, I'm still, yeah. I'm still angry about that, Jimmy Graham. You, we all wanted to see you get virtually slimed and you just <laughs> ran into the tunnel like nope. Like a little
0: <clears throat> Yeah, now I think we're done with the AAF.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it's like we covered the futures. We covered how Tom Dunted basically bought his way into the league. You know, there was a whole lot of Heinz Ward that we covered.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of promise. It's just I think they bit off more than they could chew, especially on the financial aspect. The financial yeah. Aspect.
2: There is one more thing though.
1: Oh, what is it?
2: It is time for eBay prices, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I know what's coming. Okay, play the music. Okay, what is it?
2: Okay, as you can see by my background, I have a member of the Birmingham Iron. You are bid- you are bidding on, well, any of the helmets. Pick a team, any of the helmets, they're all amazingly the same price. Okay. I just picked the Birmingham Iron because I like the colors. Okay,
1: so it's any team.
2: Yes. The uh, seller is um, Steel City Collectibles. They're brand new, unsigned replica helmets. Oh,
1: replica helmets! But the shipping,
2: yeah, they're
0: not game worn. Okay, yeah, Steel City Collectibles. That that's Pittsburgh, and I know uh, who you're talking about or the company. Yeah, they're they're pretty big in the the collectibles industry.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, who's starting first?
2: Uh, I'm thinking of a number. The number is 42. Greg, you go first.
1: All right, I'm gonna go. It's it's a replica helmet.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go eighty dollars. Eighty dollars, Mike.
0: Hmm. That that's a, a good bid. <laughs> um, I I know many replica helmets sell for about thirty to thirty-five dollars. So I think just on that basis alone. I'm going to go a tad higher than Greg. I'll give him a little bit of breathing room. I'll say $89. $89.
2: Okay. The actual buy it now price of an Alliance of American football unsigned replica helmet, full size $249 and 95 cents. Wow. Not with my money. No, wait, there's more. You could get the entire set of nine helmets for, uh, for at a discount, oh, all, just... of them to- all of them totaled $2,099.95. Oh, no.
1: No. No,
0: no, 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 no,
2: no.
1: No. Oh, hey, guys. Uh-huh. Guess what? What? I also had my own eBay prices right.
0: Oh no.
1: Let's play the sped up music. Now, Mike, remember when the AAF was around? I told you that about the Tops Now cards they did for the AAF. I do. Yes. So, you guys, I, we talked about Tops Now in the trading cards episode. Yeah. So, okay. So in 2019, Tops did a series of AAF trading cards. And of course, with Tops Now, they had a series of cards for each week of the AAF. So for this card, you were bidding on a Tops Now card of Jalen Marshall making the first touchdown in the history of the Alliance of American Football. But not only that. This Tops Now card is actually graded PSA 10 out of 10. And I'm going to start the bidding with Mike.
0: Okay, Tops Now graded a uh, PSA 10. Well, that, that's going to probably command a, a higher price tag right there. I think they retailed for $9.99 when originally released. So yes. I, I'm, I'm gonna say that a PSA 10, but it's also XFL, so that's it's AAF. I'm, I'm gonna I'm sorry, AAF. I, I apologize. Um, I'm gonna say 2995.
2: Chico. I'm gonna say forty two ninety-five. All right.
1: The price of the Jalen Marshall first touchdown AF history card grade PSA ten out of ten. Eighty-six dollars and fifty cents. Get out. That's more worse of
0: a rip-off than those helmets. No. No. <laughs> no. Apparently, people making money in the AAF are the people selling stuff on eBay and not the league itself.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. Jeez.
1: Uh, well, guys, what can we say about the AAF?
2: Uh, You know what? Decent football, decent promotion. But nobody watched it. Nobody went to the games. And I don't know if anybody bet on any of them but mm. the technology was there unfortunately the AAF in 2019 even with Jason's own Fisher it was just a thing on TV
1: well I'll say this I did watch every week and I enjoyed every second of it
2: I also enjoyed every second of it
1: yeah yeah
0: absolutely I watched it too
1: I watched it on CBS Sports Network. I watched it on TNT. I watched it on NFL Network. I remember coming home from Florida from spring training. I remember the JetBlue Friday had had NFL Network with the AF on. I'm like, oh, I'll just watch this for like two hours. And it was great.
2: You were ready.
1: I was you ready.
0: Know, you know, I almost feel like we need the Bart Simpson, at least you tried, uh, meme here. At least yeah. you tried.
1: Hey, Troy yep. Ebersol. He did his damnedest, but no.
2: Yep. But but hey, we got a pretty decent documentary out of it.
1: Well the XFL at least. We'll probably get a decent documentary out of the AAF one day.
2: Yeah. How Tom Dunton put literally put the screws to well everyone.
1: Yeah. And I can't believe he's your owner, Chico. Well. Well, I'll tell you this, Chico.
2: At least he doesn't think that
1: Martin Luther King Day shouldn't be a holiday.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. And at least he's got the at least he has the local hockey bands engaged. Hashtag bunch of jerks.
1: Yeah. Take that, Don Cherry. While you're on the unemployment line.
2: Don Cherry's also suspect. Yeah. But one thing that isn't suspect or full of jerks is it was a thing on TV.com where you'll find all of our past episodes, mini-sodes, live shows, links to our socials, and of course, links to our good friends at Place to Be Nation who have the weekly Wednesday drop. And- Which
1: is Goddess of Love and Buzz. Yep. And by the way, uh, folks, I, and I announced it on the Twitter feed last week, but I want to mention in here, me and Chico are actually going to do a special series on Place to Be Nation Pop, which we'll cover because hopefully, fingers crossed, in December, and hopefully co- no COVID shenanigans, push it back. But at the end of the year, we are supposed to be getting the third Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man movie and to lead up to that me and Chico are going to do a series of episodes about all the Spider-Man related movies that have been released so far leading up to the third MCU Spider-Man movie so we're going to be talking about all the Tobey Maguire movies, both Andrew Garfield movies, both Tom Holland MCU movies along with Into the Spider-Verse and Venom
2: And you know what we're calling it? Into the Spidey movieverse. There you go. And we're actually
1: going to try to record... We actually have to probably record a pilot for that. Because I encountered so much history with Spider-Man before he had the first movie in 2002 that's so amazing and insane, it's got to have its own episode. So we'll probably do that as a... Me and Chico will do it as a pilot episode. And by the way, We'll also have all the episodes from that series on the It Was a Thing on TV YouTube channel if you want to listen to it there.
2: Yep. And, of course, if you want to get updated on that and other future content on the YouTube channel, don't forget, hit the bell. And that's going to do it for this week of It Was a Thing on TV. And next week, what do we have next week? I'm going to take a look, see
0: what we've got. Wait, oh, oh. Wait, oh, oh, next week.
1: Next week. No, next week. We have the series that almost broke Mike.
2: Oh, oh no, not that.
0: No, no. Well, we should explain. Uh, when I was hospitalized about four months ago, I, I ran into an episode of this series uh, flipping through the uh, the, the TV at like five o'clock uh, a.m. on a, Saturday, a Sunday morning, because I couldn't sleep because of uh, of all of the pain pain I was in, and I seriously thought this was like a bad fever dream. No, it wasn't a bad fever dream. It it really existed, and I I, I sort of told the uh, the gentleman about it and said we need to cover this sooner rather than later. And lo and behold, sooner is is next week. Yeah. But we're yep. all. But that's uh, just one episode.
1: One yep. episode, but we're also going to be covering a version of a show that has lasted for the last sixty years, and yep. this version of this show is actually very good, despite being short-lived.
2: Oh yeah, and, and oh and it it is, ha- yeah,
0: oh it, it is it is reasonably well done, and, and it had some big names on it. Yes, it had
1: some big name, not necessarily people who were famous at the time, but people who later got famous. And some notable names, too.
0: Oh, oh, there are some very historical names, yes. But we'll talk about that next week.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: And we'll talk about that in detail right here. Right, it was a thing on TV. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you right here next week. Wow! And it gave Memphis
0: the ball. Fourth and one.
1: (laughs) And Birmingham's
0: defense is exactly what their name is. Iron, they come up with a
2: huge stop. Summers in there again. Sales helping out as well.